Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. So glad you joined us. The number to dial is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. That's the way to get on the air, and I want you on the air. Uh, That is a big part of the show. (laughs) It is the show. Uh, You can be on the air so we can talk and we can can work through what's on your mind, work through what is, uh, you know, troubling you or what you're encouraged about or what you're excited about, maybe a Bible question. Um, And so we want you on the air, 303-690-3000. I want to give a special shout out to Truth FM. Uh, if you are listening to us on Truth FM, we really are encouraging you. Give us a call. We would love. I even had a text message come through. It says, "Where are the calls from the South?" So give us a call three zero three six nine zero three thousand. I only do the show a couple days a week, and I remember uh, not too long ago we got a call from the, one of the Carolinas. Uh, so I know you're listening, and you are welcome to call. And I encourage you to. Pick up the phone and give us a call, 303-690-3000. We got some Kentucky calls too, so come on come on over. Uh, we already get a lot of calls from Pennsylvania, Maryland, New Jersey. Uh, always grateful for Hope FM. And by the way, you guys on Hope FM, uh, Abounding Grace Radio has a new time spot on Hope FM now. So the teaching ministry here of Calvary Church is on at 10 a.m., I think. 10 a.m. So in the morning, and I hope to bless you guys in the morning. Uh, We're looking forward to the new time slot for a year to see what kind of feedback we get. Uh, So you guys on Hope FM, I was told by Pastor Bill today, we're on all the stations, not just a couple of them. Uh, So we are uh, on the Hope FM radio network, uh, the Bible teaching program here, Abounding Grace. Uh, So tune in in the morning. Uh, you guys here on Grace FM, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, we were telling the story, I was sharing the story with one of the sisters, actually a couple of the sisters yesterday, uh, of the history of Grace FM, and just sharing it was so encouraging. Uh, we have calls waiting already, so I'm not going to share it, but I was so encouraged how God entrusted us with this radio station. It's been on the air 10, count them, almost in December, it'll be 10 years 10 years giving worship in the word to this up and down the front range, really covering 80, 80% of the population here in Colorado. So 303-690-3000, So we're going to go right to the phone lines. Susanna is back from yesterday. Uh, we had a conversation. Susanna's from Pennsylvania. Uh, welcome to the program, Susanna. Hi, Pastor Ed. How are you? Hi. We um, 
We ran out of time yesterday. Yes, uh, we were about to speak on the topic of legalism. Yes, so did Uh, you have an aspect of legalism you wanted me to address, or just in general? Yeah, um, yeah, I had a a specific aspect, and I have a lot of questions, but as much uh, time as um, you can. Um, So I was going to ask specifically about, um, you know how yesterday I was saying, um, how me and my husband, we met and we married, and uh, for yes. my parents, it was, parents, it was difficult to accept because of um, yes. their belief. And, um, like, in their legalism, they, they used the Bible to, um, they were trying to confuse me, saying that um, in their culture, they we have to get married to um, the same per- type of person, like the same culture, the same... Um, in my church, actually, the, the church that I used to go to with my parents, they have like over 3,000 members, and they're all white, and they're all Pentecostal. And um, so I was wondering, like, what your view is of what you can advise on that. And now I'm ma- happily married with my husband. He's been yes. a Christian his whole life, and um, and I'm so happy I made the choice. I was just very confused at the time because I didn't know the scriptures well, and uh, my responses, were, like the way people responded to me, my family, the church, they responded with biblical texts out of context um, to try to get me to think that I was doing something wrong. Well, the Bible doesn't doesn't make the same uh, restriction on marriage that your family did in terms of marrying within your own cultural context. And some people even go even farther to say that that it's required that you marry in your own racial uh, context. Uh, God gives freedom in marriage uh, to anyone of the opposite sex that is a believer. And that that is the limitation that God places upon marriage is whether the person you are marrying is a believer and you... Received all that counsel. I know yesterday we talked about the prophet and all that that role. And you made a wise decision in marrying the person you believed uh, was uh, and is God's choice for you. And we know he's God's choice for you because you're married to him. And when mm-hmm. you ke- you you keyed on the right, you key you actually keyed in on the right word, and that is cultural. Uh, there are many. Uh, people in re- Christian religions and and systems of belief that elevate culture above above the word. Now we're not to like diminish the culture, right? If we're missionaries and we move to the Philippines, we we aren't trying to make a United States of America church in the Philippines. We're trying to minister to Filipinos. So we want to learn their culture. We want to learn their language. We want to learn uh, their. They're idioms. They're, we want to learn about them because we love them and we value them. And we don't want to change their culture. We want to see them born again in their culture. But when people elevate culture above the scriptures, then you run into something known. It could be you know, known as legalism. Legalism in its simplest definition is when, when somebody makes a rule in order to validate that you're saved. Mm-hmm that you have to follow this external rule in order to be saved in the right relationship with God. And the Bible makes salvation simple. The Bible, and that's what frustrates people. 
the the Bible makes salvation simple. It's by faith, by grace, through faith. Jesus alone saves us. And legalism has a tendency to turn love into law. And it has a tendency to turn a, a spiritual passion into a prison. And, you know, legalism, the, bent, the, the results of legalism makes people very judgmental. It makes people very high-minded. Uh, they become like sin sniffers instead of Jesus lovers. And we're, we're looking for people that are breaking the rules instead of looking to take people to faith in Jesus and trusting him to lead someone. Now, that's not to say that the Bible doesn't have direction. You know, it's not to say that if there's a sinful behavior, we point it out. But the sinful behavior has to come from the Bible, not, not from the culture. Because cultures change. They're all varied. And when we, when we make rules and regulations in order to remain right with God, then we've left mm-hmm. the simplicity of grace. We've left the simplicity of the finished work of the cross. Now, all of a sudden, it's our works that make us saved instead of his finished work. And it gets passed down from generation to generation. And I'm grateful that you uh, have been released and delivered from that. Yeah, that was happening a lot in in the ex-church, like the church that I used to go to, and um, they have a lot of different beliefs that I was questioning a lot from a very young age, like the veil veil wearing of a head covering. They say that it's abomination uh, before God. If if a woman prays with her head uncovered uh, without a physical veil, um, things like that, even like the practice of avoiding to speak to um, and not greeting a member of the church because their sin was found out by the church and they're excommunicated. Um, yeah. It's a very, a lot of legalism is a very controlling uh, false teaching. It, it's even throughout the scriptures. You know, the, the, two, the two books that, well, really, the whole New Testament is, is written to teach us about the freedom we have in Christ but men, when we get involved, because we all have, even the most, even the most staunch grace advocates can become legalistic about their grace doctrine. <laughs> so we all have that tendency because we like order, we like control. But when we yield to the Spirit, then we become less legalistic. We become less uh, authoritative. Uh, you know, the head coverings in First Corinthians actually was a cultural issue. And Paul teaches that the church about head coverings so that they wouldn't be offensive. It was all about others. You know, the freedom of Christ is all about others. Legalism is all about someone's rules. But when you exercise freedom, for example, when we were in Egypt, so we did a lot of ministry in Egypt right before they closed Egypt down to to Christians for for the uprising when they were going through it a few years ago. Uh, When we went to Egypt, culturally, the men sat on one side of the room and the women sat on the other side of the room. Uh, mm-hmm. And we followed that cultural. It wasn't because they thought they were saved. It was that they didn't, that was where they were at. And that's where, that's where, so we visiting, you know, we came for a couple of weeks, uh, teaching the word of, to them, encouraging them uh, that we would, f- the women did have their head covers there because culturally it was still appropriate for them. It was a place of honor for them. And, and so we respected that, and and also, uh, we also I was also required when I taught to wear a suit and tie, because it spoke of respect. Um, but the reality was is that we were accommodating them so that they might hear the gospel, uh, 
we weren't creating new rules to be right with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I do. You have any um, recommendations on studies or books? I do about, uh, legal about the grace of God. Is like, is that something? Grace of God. Is that, so let me give you a title. Uh, it's called "When Grace Changes Everything." by Chuck Smith. Okay, my husband has that book, actually. Okay, good. And let me give you a second one. Really, really good. Equally good. And giving it from a different perspective. It's called The Grace Awakening. The Grace Awakening by Chuck Swindoll, by Charles Swindoll. Charles Swindoll? Those are are two great simple yet profound introductions to, to understanding and placing, you know, grace on the back dark backdrop of legalism. Both of them are super mm-hmm. good. Thank you very much. And yeah, I, I feel that God is definitely doing a work in my life of, of freedom, spiritual freedom. Um, now that I left out of that church and um, to my family, it's very shocking. Like if I married somebody that I wanted to like that, I, felt love in my heart and what God was leading us to do. And um, it's just that, you know, God's been changing me and, and showing me things like that. And I really want to be fully uh, free from the spirit of legalism, the spirit of religion. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that there, you know, there's a, there's a tremendous part of marriage. There is this leaving and cleaving the Bible says, and now you're starting a new life. You're one with your husband and we want your parents to come along. We want them to enjoy your new marriage. We want them to accept and to love. And so we want to pray for that because the, even though they might perceive you as going against your family, in a real way you were going against your family, but not for the sake of hurting them, but for the sake of honoring God. God has given you that freedom, and you really do need to leave and cleave the greatest difficulties in marriages, not the greatest, some of the greatest difficulties in marriages actually stem from the uh, husband and the wife not choosing to leave and cleave their parents, and then their parents get involved in the marriage, and it just messes everything up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and so let me pray for you. Okay. Father, we ask for your spirit to be upon our sister, and we're grateful for the work, just not only... Do we hear it? But she also senses that work of your spirit inside of her. So I'm asking God that you would encourage her with this family uh, drama and difficulty as she's chosen to walk in the freedom of grace. And I pray that she would become a tool to minister to her family, that they might also experience the freedom of grace. And that there might be any of the issues, you know, any of the difficulties would be minimized so that, God, your love and grace would be maximized in this, in this family, in this life, in, 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 th- in this whole family and through their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Pastor Ed. You're welcome. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. And I do think if you go on... Amazon.com, and you read on Kindle, uh, on Kindle apps, that uh, the 
Why Grace Changes Everything by Pastor Chuck Smith is on there uh, for free. There is a free version. I think there's two versions up there. One is paid and one is free. And you can read that book for free. And the one by Chuck Swindoll, so good. I mean, obviously, anything that man writes, what a talented, gifted man and gift to the body of Christ Chuck Swindoll is. But the, 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 the book Grace Awakening is so good. And the Kevin, my producer, reminded me to spell out his name. It's S-W-I-N-D-O-L-L, Chuck Swindoll. And no doubt, uh, he's probably on some of the stations that are carrying this program. Uh, he's not on Grace FM because the other station in town has him, and they have a policy of not being on two stations in the same town. But it's okay. Uh, you can listen to him over there or listen to his podcast um, 303-690-3000. Uh, give me a text if you, you know, one open line right now, but if the lines get full, you can always text your questions. 720-336-0897. want to remind you, we are open for in-person services here at Calvary Church in Aurora. We'll make room for you. Uh, we do have restrictions according to all the guidelines. And believe me, uh, Pastor Everett and the team have been living in this space, especially Everett. has been living in this space for a long time. So, it is different, but it's it's not that it's not that bad as you might think it is. Especially those of you like, oh, I hate mass. I don't want anything to do with mass. I hate that. I think it's a okay, okay. I respect that. Just put a mask on and come back to worship. It's not that big a deal. You can you'll get used to it. It's not that big a deal. Trust me, it is not that big a deal. Even if it is a conspiracy, even if it is horrible, even if it is the worst, even if it's it's kind of like it's kind of like driving, right? You put on your seatbelt. And some of you just hate seatbelts. They're uncomfortable. I don't like it. But you have to click it or tick it, right? And because they want you to put it on just in case. And most people never have to use their seatbelts ever in their whole life. Like they never activate. But they're on every day, all the time. And it's just like an inconvenience. But you get used to it. You get used to it. You get used to it. And I just think you need to come back. If you can, your church is open. You're not in a high risk. Put the mask on. Come. It's not that big a deal. You'll get used to it. It, it's really, let me just tell you, it's really good to be back worshiping God together. And although it's different, it's okay. And we're singing, the volume's up, teaching the word, people are getting saved. You know, we have restrictions in, inside the building, but once you go outside, you can do whatever you want. You can, if you ask permission, you can hug, high five, go to lunch together. Um, you know, you you're you're walking in wisdom and one of the other reasons why we're wearing masks is for the other people and i know there's people out there go it doesn't work it's scientifically proven it doesn't work okay um even if that's true i'm I'm not a doctor there's two two real good professionals on either side have opposing views i'm not a doctor i just know this as i'm wearing a mask it sends an indirect message to anyone that comes in contact with me. And the indirect message is this. I care about you. I care about you. Let me read to you an email I received. I won't, I don't have permission to use the name, but I'll just I'll I'll share with you the what they said. You know, because I'm getting a lot of email, trust me. Uh it's not all good. Um actually most of it's been bad, but a lot of it's been good. because uh, you know, pastors, you're listening, you're gonna make a decision. Uh people some are gonna like it, most some are not gonna like it. And and your your email box is going to get filled. And if you make if you don't make decisions because you don't want the conflict, 
then you know you're fearing men, so don't fear men. So I got a great email in the recently from someone that visited uh, on Sunday. It says, "Dear Pastor at Calvary Church, my family and I visited your Saturday night service, and we're very blessed to be in fellowship with you. I personally capital love your approach to being above reproach with respect to this pandemic and the precautions you have in place for your services." And here, this brother writes. If I get this virus, I want to be able to say I did everything I could possibly do to protect myself and my family from it. And all and and you all are providing an environment to be in fellowship and allow folks to do just that. We felt very safe, secure, and loved last night. So thank you. We love you all and are very likely to visit you in the future. And that that's one email that I think reflects, and again. Even if you don't believe in all this, like there are people that do, so we're going to show preference to them. And we, we've adopted three words, and, and we keep adding to them, but three primary words. We're going to approach this with the, we're going to approach this with preference. Uh, we want to show preference to others. We're going to approach this with patience. And we just want to be patient. We want to be patient that dis- people would disagree with us. We want to be patient with all the rules. We want to be patient with uh, the ever-changing government. We want to be patient. We, and the patience is not like a choice we make. Patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And we want to show preference to one another. And, and w- that means we, if, if we have a view and we say, oh, I hate masks, I think it's a conspiracy, I won't wear one. Well, now you're, you're faced with a choice to die to yourself for the sake of being in person worship and say, I, I, you can still hold your beliefs, but you can also die to them for the sake of others. And nobody's trying to talk you out of it. Uh, I don't really know the answer personally. And I personally don't like this to hurt. I, I don't think anybody that's heard me on the radio or anything uh, would think any, I, I don't like wearing a mask. Very uncomfortable. I've, I'm trying different ones. I have one on order right now. It's, Los Angeles Dodgers official one from the MLB store. I had a gift card I forgot I had. And so I used that gift card, bought myself a Dodgers face mask. I hope it's soft because it's the ones that they're using. Uh, that's the ones they're using. So I hope, you know, they must have done some kind of research. Uh, but I, I don't like them. I don't like them. But imagine, here's the headline. The head, It could go both ways, right? The headline pastor will not teach the Bible anymore in person because he hates masks and he refuses to wear one. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't really uh, reflect the gospel. Jesus took on a human body. Think of the restrictions of Jesus leaving glory and taking on a human body to reach you and me. And what a headline. Pastor Ed Taylor hates masks, so he refuses to return, uh, to leave his house uh, until the mask requirement is off. Or, here's the other, another alternative, uh, Pastor Ed's in a YouTube video being uh, that's gone viral because he got into a fight with someone because he walked in without a mask and he just declared not a mask. And because people listen to me, people follow me. And because people follow me, there might be that one yeah, there might be that one that said, well, if Ed doesn't wear a mask, I won't wear a mask. And they get ill and they die. And again, I don't control the virus. We don't control the virus. There could be many, many reasons. But here's the thing. And I hope 
I can persuade you. And I'm not asking you to, well, maybe I am asking you in some degree to change your mind, but I'm not arguing with you. I, I don't, I don't need to do that. I'm just saying, Ed, this is the example that I've chosen as a pastor. I'm going to wear a mask. And if that encourages a kid to wear it, great. If it encourages a person to wear it, great. And I'm going to go to worship. And I've encouraged people to, to worship, yes. Uh, and I've, I, that's the path I'm taking. I, I don't like it, but I'm going to die to myself. I don't think I'll ever like it. I don't like this whole thing. I don't like the restrictions. I don't like the difficulties. I don't like the furloughs. I don't like the economy tanking. I don't like the politics. I don't like, I don't like it all. But who am I? I'm just a man that wants to follow Jesus. And so I want to do that. I, I want to, I want to do that. And I want to be an example to you. And I want to encourage you to be in church. And I want to encourage you to be the church. And I don't want you to get lazy and not come back to church. And I don't want you to get used to watching online. I want your kids to have, like if your kids are school age and they can sit through a service, why aren't you back? You say, well, I'm in a high risk. Okay, I respect that. But other than that, and, and maybe your kids are high risk, why aren't you in church together? Well, my church isn't open. Believe me, there's a church in town that's open until yours opens back up. And Kevin, as I'm talking, he finds a headline. Pastor, quote, Pastor re refuses to wear face mask because he can't picture Jesus wearing a mask. Well, that is dumb. Because Jesus didn't wear shoes either. And I bet that pastor has shoes on. And Jesus didn't wear a suit and tie. Jesus didn't drive a car. Didn't... Come on now. Seriously. 303-690. Denver, Colorado, line two. Judah, welcome to the program. Hey, pastor. How are you? Good, man. What's up? Hey, I'm calling to uh, ask you maybe for some scriptures uh, for me to kind of look over and study and go over. Um, my wife and I have a two-year-old daughter. Um, okay. And my wife is starting to want to work on a second kid. Okay. And it's something that I don't feel prepared for uh, financially and as well as with the pandemic and other things going on as well. We're, we're having a difference of opinion. Of course, we're praying okay. about it. But I guess my question for you is, is, is there any kind of scriptures you can think of I can turn to to get some, some more insight from the Bible. You know, there, there's quite a bit in the Bible about children, and it's all in the affirmative. Uh, it doesn't take into account the things that this culture takes into account, like being ready for them or, or measuring out whether we can afford them or not, but rather God places a high value on procreation. God places a high value on children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. He places a high value on passing the gospel on to the next generation, um, how precious and how, how important it is for training uh, children and, and on and on, you know, the sanctity of life. I, I'm just about ready this weekend, actually, is going to be our, we're going to be in Hebrews looking at Moses' Moses' parents uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, how there was a decree in Egypt uh, 
when Moses was in the womb, that if the baby was born a boy, that they were to kill that baby alive. That was the decree. And you know the story, the midwives saw that the boy was a baby and they didn't tell the truth. And they ended up hiding that baby. They put him in a little boat, you know, a little crib that, and they, they put it pitch around it so it could float. And they put this kid out in the Nile River. That was how much they valued life. And these were slaves. These were slaves in Egypt that had nothing. They were dirt poor. They had nothing um, by which to take care of their children. And we know that that decision of those parents and the decision of those midwives uh, ended up giving us the life of Moses. And so keep that in, keep that thought. I'm gonna, we're going to take a break. You hear the music, and then I'll come back to you, Judah, after the break. This is Calvary Live. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back everyone to the second half of the program. I'm amazed at how fast these programs go. Uh, We're grateful you've joined us. Join us from around the country, literally around the world. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, we take the we take your time and you and we we steward your time um, very as as it being very precious. So thanks for tuning in. Let's go back to the phone lines. We left off with Judah and Judah. Welcome back. Thank you. So to catch anyone up that joined us on the program, if you just joined us in the middle of the program, welcome. Uh, we're halfway through today's episode, and I was talking to Judah in Denver about having children. And in his marriage right now, he describes it as a little bit of a disagreement because his wife is getting, having these sensing that feeling to have another child, uh, and Judah's concern with COVID, financially, and even being ready, which are all valid concerns. And I can see where each of you have different perspectives, which is where disagreements come. But when it comes to the scriptures. The, the Bible values children, and we know that even whatever decision you end up making, let's say you, uh, you come to a quick decision and say, okay, honey, let's have another child. God is still sovereign over your wife's womb, and he'll open that womb if he desires to open it, uh, and he'll close that womb if he desires to close it. And even if you guys are taking measures uh, to protect yourselves from having a child, those could fail as well. So we know that God is sovereign. And every time, well, each time the value of children is mentioned, like for example, in the Psalms, it says, sons are a heritage from the Lord and children are a reward from him. You know, with Adam and Eve, he says that one of the commands to Adam and Eve was to be fruitful and multiply. Um, there's a there's a promise to Abraham that that his generations that you know he would have sons and daughters granddaughter grandsons to you know generations and generations like the stars in the sky. Jesus said, "Hey, bring the little, let those kids come to me. Uh, they're precious. You know, they're of of such are the kingdom of God." And and on and on it goes. So kids are a blessing. And for families that can have children, you do then step into the next phase where you are where you guys are, and that is, okay, what does God want for our family? Now, there are two big camps to that, Judah. One camp is, hey man, have as many kids as you can your entire life. 
uh, and there's whole even church gatherings. I think there's a TV show on TLC from groups, you know, that have all those kids until she could, she had 16 or 17 children until she couldn't have kids anymore. Um, and then there are other extremes on the other side that says, no, um, you know, it's not, we don't, it's not God's will for us to have children. So, you know, that's a very debatable, I only share that with you because it's very debatable in the world and it makes sense that there would be some debate uh, in a marriage and it doesn't make you guys being a bad marriage. For Marie and I, uh, we had we had a child in high school. Uh, we weren't married. We were We had nothing. I had no job, no life. I was the typical loser, partying loser that poor Marie got stuck with and and had a baby and we decided fortunately in our youthfulness we decided to keep him and and it was hard it was hard and you know then we got married then we got saved and and and, it, and God began to show us you know the value of children and we ended up having another son and there was something in us both of us that said man we would really like a daughter and then we tried to have a child again. Then we had a daughter. If that was would have been a boy, I wonder if we would have kept. I don't know. We, you know, I don't know. Um, but you know, every family's different, and I understand your apprehension. You know, I understand your concern. But there's a couple of things you know that I think of. Number one, we're never going to be able to afford a child. They are expensive, forever. That's just the way it is. And I remember. <laughs> How even my parents helped us, you know, imagine, imagine us, imagine me going home and, and Marie was single mom, you know, she had a single mom and then I had my parents and, you know, we were, I was graduating high school, Marie was 16 years old and they had to take care of, they, my parents and her mom helped take care of us and our kid and that was very expensive for them. But my parents found, you know, God always finds a way affordability, um, with COVID, and sometimes not just COVID, but I know that parents say, why would we bring a child into this evil world? Well, we would bring a child into this evil world because number one, it's God's will for us to have children. And number two, it, it's a, children are a heritage from the Lord. We, we're able to share in our, our love with them. We're able to share life with them. We're able to pass the baton of the gospel to them. And there's never been a time in history where world hasn't been wrecked by sin. And, you know, you and I, are and are no different and a child that is raised in a godly home that comes to faith in Jesus Christ will spend eternity in heaven uh, and so even if covid ends and when it does end because it will uh, when covid ends what's the next crisis and what's the next crisis right we go from crisis to crisis to crisis sure. and and so it would be good as you guys start no. praying together god will bring them right. unity in you well, that is helpful and definitely eye-opening. I think that one thing that we, we're struggling with right now, this is a new discussion we're having as of yesterday, and I think one thing we're struggling with right now is really taking the time to consider the other's position and side of the argument. I have my feelings, she has hers, yeah. and maybe right now we're both being selfish and saying, this is what I want, so this is what I want to do. And so, no doubt. No doubt that plays a part in it, too. That's the human side. And this is where if you sat down with your pastor 
and or or a mentor, somebody that's wise in the scriptures that can help sort you help just help you guys sort out your thoughts, help clarify, help um, explain. You know how you get into the heat of the moment, and you know when I when I'm arguing with my wife. Uh, I get so caught up in what I'm trying, the point I'm trying to make, and and uh, no, you don't. I mean, I can't, I can't tell you a million times in arguments with Marie where I'll say, "You just don't understand. You're not hearing me. You don't understand." Well, that's probably because she's not. Um, she's probably mad. I'm mad, and we're talking past each other. And then it, it, when you sit down with someone, they can really help you sort out those things so that you can take away that angst out of it, and you could really pray and say, "Okay." Um, cause you know, the maternal, the maternal instinct in your wife is precious and it's wonderful and it's to be valued by every husband. Um, that's just a sweet thing to hear, even though she may not be s- explaining in that way. That's what God put in her. And that's a beautiful thing to have in a marriage. It doesn't mean you should have kids. It's just, as you begin to appreciate your wife, as you begin to dwell with her with understanding, as you begin to hear her and listen to her and have these kind of conversations prayerfully with her, you'll begin to see that even if you do disagree, it's still a very precious desire because I know there are people listening right now that that they're listening to our conversation. They're probably yelling at the radio right now because their wives can't have children because they're having infertility issues. And, and they're just like, man, if I could, I would. And... You know, the same answers to them as well. God is the one that opens the womb and closes the womb. And we ultimately trust him. And Marie and I ended up making the decision, and I hope when we answer to the Lord, we'll find out, but we ended up making the decision in our marriage to stop at three children. And I hope that was the right decision. I I don't know if it was or not. I mean, I think it is. I'm very happy with our kids, you know, and and we were able to lead all three of our kids to the Lord. Uh, my oldest son is in the presence of the Lord right now. Uh, that one that was born to us in high school, uh, grew up, became a police officer, and then ended up uh, passing away seven years ago. And we enjoyed him, uh, enjoyed everything about him. Uh, and and so, you know, as you look at that, you make that decision as unto the Lord, and then you move forward. I appreciate your time very much. No, it's a great question. I think it was very relevant to people listening, too. It's not unusual, um, but it's also not something that you guys need to uh, fight over. Um, Yeah, I think you're right. And I like, you know, the point that really comes across to me, I was thinking it last night as well, It's, it's God's will. So when you say he'll open or close the womb, you know, that's exactly how it's going to be. I have my own fears, but that's when we turn to Jesus, and we just let him carry those fears for us. It's true, and if you have a tendency to be fearful, um, I I do it, so I can relate to this, where I'm I'm just a, I'm a worrier. My wife is not a worrier, I'm a worrier. I'm a worrier financially, everything. God has brought me a long way, so it's not like I'm living like I was 30 years ago. However, it's still with me, and here's the thing. This is going to be with you at every stage, even of the child that you have. As they go from stage to stage, as they leave the house, as they go on vacation, they ride their bike, they go to school. You know, you, you're you just going to day by day commit those fears to the Lord, just like you said. And, and you'll never, if that's your tendency, 
then you're always going to deal with it. They, you, if you have 10 kids or you have one kid, this is life. Well, I, I really am uh, appreciative of your time, and I do hope that some other people listening got some good input as well. Um, I just got home, so I'm going to go talk to her right now. And Right on. Uh, we'll discuss prayerfully like you suggested. Well, let me pray for you. Father, Thank I you. ask you to um, be with Judah as he goes in and minister to his wife. And uh, you know how our marriage things can be where it just becomes frustrating and hard. Even, you know, we look at it and we're like, why are we arguing about a good thing? And yet we do. And so I pray that your peace, that the peace that passes all understanding would enter into that home. And as they come to a very serious decision and then they come to an agreement over time that you would help them and you would help clarify and direct. And, and more than anything, that Judah and his wife would know and continue to affirm their love for each other, that it not only would be affirmed, but it would be felt, it would be experienced, and that even in their home and family right now, there would be just a sense of joy and love of and excitement of whatever, whatever direction you take them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. All right, bro. Hey, uh, call back and text if uh, just to give an update. I'd love to hear how God leads you in this. <laughs> I, I will. I'll probably be texting you tomorrow saying, "Hey, we're pregnant." <laughs> <laughs> and if you if you want an article to read together, email me, and I can just uh, I can answer it right at the end of the show uh, and give you something you guys can read together, just to have something in the middle of you. I will. What is your email? Ed at edtaylor.org. Perfect. Thank you. All right, man. God bless you. 303-690-3000. Love, love, love that question. That was good. That was good as we talked through these things. You know, everything's not so absolute and black and white uh, in our lives. We've got, with our, I mean, obviously the Bible can be black and white and is black and white in many areas, but it in, in the areas that it's not, we we turn to principles and pre when when there's not a precept, that's a specific teaching. Then we have to turn to principles, and uh, how exciting! I'm gonna I'm not a prophet or a son of a prophet, but since Judah's not listening anymore, he's walking into the house. Uh, I predict uh, they will have another child, but it's not a prophecy. <laughs> Let's go to Olivia. Oh, Olivia's been waiting patiently. Olivia, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. How are you? Good. How old are you, Olivia? Um, I have some questions about Genesis. Okay, what's your question? Um, so when Adam and Eve sinned, why did God make everyone sin? Okay, that's a good question. You know, when God created Adam and Eve, uh, they were the only ones on the planet. Uh, living in a place that God calls the Garden of Eden. And you remember God said to Adam and Eve, he said, because these were real people just like you and me, and he said, look, I'm going to give you all of this. It's kind of like in your backyard. You know, your mom says, you can play and eat, you can do whatever you want in the backyard, but don't touch that tree in the corner. And you can do whatever you want. You can enjoy everything, the grass, the bushes. You can do anything in the backyard that you want, but you can't touch that tree. And what God told Adam and Eve is they take care of the Garden of Eden. He told them, you guys can have everything and eat everything and enjoy everything, but you can't, you can't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
and you know what happened. Eve was tempted. She took the temptation. Uh, she passed that fruit on to her husband, Adam. Adam ate it, and because Adam and Eve chose to sin against God, they immediately were separated from God, and they ran away, and God went after them, and it began to enter sin all the way um, until today. And so when you ask the question, when Adam and Eve sinned, why did God make everyone else sin? The first answer is God didn't make anyone sin. Uh, everyone chooses to sin on their own. But then why is everyone born a sinner, right? Uh, why is it just why didn't Adam and Eve just suffer and not and not the rest of the world? Now, let me ask you a question, Olivia. Um, are do you live at home with your mom and dad? Yeah. Were you adopted? No. Okay, so if you take your arm and look at it, um, take your arm under where your wrist is. You know where your wrist is? Can you see those veins on your wrist? Yes. And inside those veins is what? Blood. Blood. There is blood flowing through your body, isn't there? Yeah. And if I was to take a drop of that blood and I was to check it in a laboratory and pull out all the little things that your blood says, you know what your blood is going to tell me? What? Your blood's going to tell me that your mom and dad are your mom and dad. And it's going to have some of the things in your that your in your mom and dad's blood was passed down to you. So some of the things in your mom and dad's blood are actually in your blood too. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And and the things in your blood are not in my blood because I'm not your dad. I'm not related to you. But because your mom and dad are related to you, what was inside of them passed down to you. And that makes you a special daughter of your mom and dad. Are you with me so far? Yeah. Okay, so here's the big connection with Adam and Eve. You ready? Adam and Eve are all of our parents. Adam and Eve were the first creation of God, and everybody that was ever born in the world, whole wide world, is connected to Adam and Eve. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, so here's the last point. Adam and Eve's sin, you could say, was in their blood. And when they started having kids, they passed down that sinful nature every other single human being in the planet. Wow. So they couldn't have any other kids. Like, what's your last name, Olivia? Damaso. Damaso. Oh, hi, Olivia. I know exactly who you are now. So with your parents, when your parents have kids, because you, 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 you have brothers and a sister, right? Yes. Okay. So they're all Damasos. That's all they can have. They can your parents can never have another kid that's not a Damaso. And you and your and your parents and your brothers and sister, you guys all have the same stuff in your blood. It's called DNA. And they pass it down to you, 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 and then Adam and Eve, they passed it down to all of us until even you and me have the same sin in our lives that needs to be forgiven by the blood of Jesus. Um I have another question. Okay. 
Um, so why did God allow the serpent in the garden? The Bible doesn't say why God allowed the serpent in the garden. Uh, that, that particular answer, that particular question's not answered. The only thing that we can say is that we can kind of back up now and say, well, we can we can see that without a real temptation, without a real test of love, you would never really know if someone tested you. Like, let, let me say, let me give you another example with your mom. Your mom says, I'm sorry, kids, it's too late. You can't eat any cookies. Go to bed. And you're like, oh, mom, we want a cookie. We want a cookie. We want a cookie. And mom said, no. And now she's getting pretty stern. Go to bed. And what does mom do? She puts a cookie on your dresser. And it just sits there. And you sm- you're laying down and you do your prayers. And you're so mad you don't want because you don't want to go to bed so you don't go to sleep. And you smell that cookie. It's your favorite cookie. And now it's a temptation. And you might think, why did mom put it there? Well, I would say that mom put it there to test you to see if you would obey her or not. And see if you would listen to her or not. And when you wake up in the morning, you say no to that cookie. And you wake up in the morning and mom comes in and sees that cookie. And you hug. And she says, oh, Olivia, thank you for obeying me. We know that we know that the reason why this, this, the, the serpent was in the garden was to be a real test for them. But we know, don't know the specific reason why God chose that test. Um, it makes me really mad how people don't love Jesus. You know, it makes me mad too. I think it's been that way ever since Adam and Eve fell. You know, people want to do their own thing. They want to choose their own way. And, and I did that for many years. So I'm glad that you love Jesus at a young age, Olivia, because... When I was eight years old, I didn't care anything about God. I was the person that would have made you mad, and I didn't care, and I didn't want. I didn't want to follow God. Um, I I didn't. I didn't really even treat my mom and dad very well, and all of that. But but even as you're angry about that, don't forget to pray for them because people like them are people like me. That eventually, when I was in my twenties, uh, I think I was twenty three, uh, Jesus got a hold of my heart, and I ended up getting saved. So even though you, it's okay to be angry, it's okay to pray, too. Um, and if I had one wish, I'd choose that everyone has faith in Jesus. That would be really cool. Do you want to pray for the lost right now before we hang up? Yeah. Okay, go for it. Um, dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything you gave us. Um, I pray that you'll help everyone love Jesus and you'll bring missionaries and other people into their lives. And um, I pray for the poor. If they don't know Jesus, that um, you'll bring people into that will tell about you into their lives, too. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So Kevin was the one that answered the phone, Olivia, when you called. And here's what he said about you. You ready? Yeah. He said, Olivia's been on hold for, let me see, I lost it here. Olivia's been on hold for 25 minutes. That patient kid is going places. And so what he means is the patience that you're showing, God's going to use in a great way in your life. Good job. Thanks. Thanks for waiting. Bye-bye. 
303-690-3000 is the number. And wasn't that a sweet prayer? It's been so long uh, since my kids were young like that and praying at their bedside and reading the Bible to them and hearing their prayers. Man, I really miss that. And never really hearing the prayers of my grandson, which is kind of a bummer. But you guys that have young kids and young grandkids and great-grandkids, be sure you're praying with them. Be sure you're reading the Bible to them. And of any age, really, right? But but man, when they're young, just hearing her sweet voice, I can picture her face uh, while she's doing it because I know her. And um, so good, so good. All right, Elaine, you've been waiting patient too. Uh, so let's jump into Aurora, Colorado. Elaine, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. Good to talk to you. My heart is full from listening to her. <laughs> that was so good. So good. Oh, yeah, it is. I'm sitting here just grinning. It was a yes. breath of fresh air. Anyway, yes. just real quick, um, with a family thing with us, and I'm because it's kind of, you feel a little emotional, I'm like not sure with where my wisdom might go. Um, we have a grandson. He's 17 and a half. He's our oldest going to be a senior this year, has named Jesus as his Lord, and okay. he has met a girl, a good girl, Christian girl. They both work at Chick-fil-A. Okay. And he says she's the one, <laughs> and right. she very well may be. But I want to know what I'd like to hear what you would think is a good response to a child, we don't want to push him. We don't want to discourage him. Neither are, you know, they're young. Neither are highly motivated. Um, and I just need some advice or and even or and what to maybe say to them. Um, of course, we're praying and things like that. But um, it seems to be going a little faster than you might want. So, well, anyway. there's a couple things, you know, there's a couple things that, that are in play here. One is that we want to honor, we want to encourage and honor their, their biblical conviction that marriage is from the Lord, that it's one woman, one man, one lifetime, uh, that, that, that they're thinking about it. That's a, that's a big thought to have at 17. Uh, that's a big, that's a big responsibility. That thought came, that the, the je- thought in general came from the Lord, it's bird than him, a bird by him inside both of them. And, you know, we want to keep that encouragement to them. And then, and then we want to also help them walk in wisdom that marriage is great. And, and it could very well be that this is God's choice at this age. Um, But, but over time, so, so that's true. But at the same time, there's wisdom, there's raising a family there, you know, even the old Testament, uh, it was required in a man to have a house and to have a career, which most likely was within his family, but to have everything set up before he got married to take care of his wife. Uh, I know a lot of people are doing it while they're getting married and they work really hard and, you know, they make it work. But the idea uh, biblically was to have things ready before marriage. Uh, and any one of us that did things backwards and wrong will tell him if he talked to me, I'm like, like, bro, go to college, you know continue in this relationship if you like but like whatever your career path is if it requires college it requires training whatever that might be make sure you map out your life uh, with wisdom Uh, there's a timing for everything the bible says and let's make sure that there's the right timing 
uh, and let and and kind of putting those those thoughts into him. Let's make sure there's the right timing. Uh, you know, you might you think you've come to the right person. Great. Now, what's the right timing? What is God really saying? Um, does is is God really telling you both to work? Uh, at a job that pays minimum wage or close to minimum wage where, you know, what is the price of an apartment on, a, you know, the wisdom, the things you would share with them, how, how expensive it is to live. Uh, and, and I've done premarital before and I've met people who go, oh, you know, love's going to pay the bills. Um, and I, man, if love paid the bills, then I would pray for more love, but love doesn't pay the bills. Uh, money pays the bills. And, and, and so I wouldn't take an adversarial approach. That's kind of my point. I wouldn't take an adversarial approach. Uh, and, I, and I tell them like my kids, I've, I've, I've tried to help my kids like, you know, be good friends, focus on friendship, not marriage, focus on friendship because, and it's good to have a lot of friends of the opposite sex because you will end up marrying your best friend. Right. And being, yeah, and I so would hope filling so. in yeah. that friendship and pouring into that friendship and, you know, give it some time, go through some trials. I, I always like to say in premarital, again, you know, let's say down the road, I, I always, second or third session, I go, you guys have a fight? You guys have a fight yet? No, no, no. And like, if they haven't had a fight yet, then I'm like, well, wait it out, man, because you don't know how it's going to go if you really disagree about something. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, time and testing is what builds relationships. And that's what I would encourage this young man and this young lady. That's good. Thank you. That's I'm writing all of this down. And <laughs> oh, great. It's kind of like, you know, I, I kind of know it, but now that I, you know, I'm in this and watching him and it's close to yes. my heart, it's just my emotions just take over my head. For sure. Oh, we got to go. God bless you. You've Bye-bye. you listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.